This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 300 and oh hell yeah, 316. Bonus episode 316 says, I just whipped your ass. That's right ladies and gents, a little attitude error WWE reference. For my peeps, much love, much love. Bonus episode 316 is, of course, the return of Movie Club. As Challenge Teapot's January 2021 swings to a close, we obviously are returning here to hear your reviews of my selection, the first of a four-part series looking at the Canadian... Contortionist? <laughs> I don't know. I was like literally trying to rack my brain for about a hundred million different variations of alliteration here to find the word that cerebrally, ah, cerebral Canadian could work. That's two C's. Let's try that. Sounds better. Uh, <laughs> if Confucius was a Canadian, then it would be David Cronenberg. And we are looking at the first of a four-part series looking at him with the movie I asked you to review, which was a little movie from 1979 called The Brood. Your reviews will be coming up of that movie right after the first break. Before we get to that, put the brakes on, pump them brakes, put it in neutral, listen to hear me now. We are, are going to catch up with where we are this week. I'm feeling really silly tonight and I don't know why. Um... I really, really, really don't know why. But, yeah, let's catch up with where we are under these, them, their stairs. We dropped an episode on Monday. Hopefully you enjoyed it. It was the first of a brand new box set series with myself and Derek looking at William Castle at Columbia. The two box sets released by Indicator with the first movie, which was The Tingler. This is your Thursday bonus episode. On Saturday, I'm giving you a little something special. It's another one of them interview and movie review eps. This one is looking at Don't Tell a Soul, a brand new thriller slash yeah, kind of quasi-horror, more on the thriller side. Um, movie that's available now in the States, came out on the 15th of January, sat down this week and chatted to the director. Ton of fun, really, really enjoyed that guy. Um, we bonded over our uh, shared heritage of Scotland in some way, shape, form and fashion, as you can on different sides of the world. Uh, everyone's a Scot. That's what that's what I've realised. So yeah, uh, we chatted for a bit. You'll hear that interview and the movie review coming this Saturday and then on Sunday, 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 it's Microwave Massacre. Yeah, I didn't make that title up. Uh, as part of the Arrow video assortment before we swing into Monday's episode, which is the next part of our Forgotten Jally box set series with myself and Dave James Parker sitting down to do disc number two in that first box set, The Killer is One of Thirteen. So yeah, that was a ton of fun to do as well. So that will be coming to you on Monday. On the Tea Putts Collective, before the end of this week, it's going to get very busy. So strap yourselves in. You will be getting the concluding part of Opera Omnia Season 2, the kickoff of Opera Omnia Season 3, and you'll also be getting a little bit of them nesties. That's right, coming your way before the end of the week. That's us all caught up. Well, let's get into you guys and your reviews. So we're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for The Brood by David Cronenberg. When we return, let's find out what you made in that movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all, sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! 
as needed and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. from the unknown, and they're here now, hiding, waiting to strike. You can feel their presence all around you. Never before have you come this close to the edge of terror. Never before have you faced anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Yes. Then look! The Brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, The Brood will destroy anyone who gets in their way. David Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egar. The Brood. They're waiting for you. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for The Brood. Let's get into this, shall we? Um, first review comes in from Bill Babcock he says I first watched The Brood as a VHS rental in the late 1980s after seeing Cronenberg's rendition of The Fly and searching out his former movies I hadn't seen and didn't know he had directed the body horror really struck me and stayed with me and I appreciate the whole 1970s vibe the film exudes particularly in the person of Oliver Reed, who gives off a certain gravitas reminiscent of that era and elevates it while fixing it firmly in its own time and place. In his role as a psychologist, it's hard to tell if he is genuinely trying to help his patients or using them as guinea pigs for fine-tuning his controversial therapies. He gives off an air of quite menace and a and of dread, and that defies the tone of the entire movie. Perfect casting, in fact. All the main actors are wonderful in their roles. Samantha Egger shows flashes of insanity that are truly frightening. And Art Hindle is believable as a father who just wants to protect his daughter. I won't go into the plot, but I truly wish I could go back to the first time I saw the big reveal and end. Whoa, how I was stunned. The Brood just cemented Cronenberg over more firmly into place as one of my favourite directors and although it's not his best in his filmography, it's up there in the top 10. Thanks Duncan for spotlighting this gem and I'm also really interested to know what others thought of it, especially those who get to see it for the first time. The tagline is, Mummy is just full of surprises and right now she has one in the oven she's making especially just for you. Thank you very much for your review, Bill Babcock. Always great to hear from you, sir. Right, let's keep the good times rolling. Another Facebook review from our buddy, Jamie McCauley. And Jamie says, Thank God, in reality, daddy issues lead to more porn stars and not these creepy wee bastards. 
Admittedly, I've never been the biggest fan of David Cronenberg. I've had a bit of a hit or miss ride with him and his movies. However, I'm looking forward to revisiting his movies on this series to see if they land better with me after another viewing, as some have only ever been seen once and The Brood was a first time watch for me. Thankfully, this landed in the hit column for me. Actually, I think this felt like the most traditional horror movie from the Cronenberg movies that I've watched so far. Yes, it leaned into the weird sci-fi stuff, but not in a way that it took over and it remained more in a creepy kid murder mystery sort of way. The only point that sticks in my brain as an annoyance is after the first murder, when the little girl turned to see the killer on the stairs, where it grabbed hold of the railing leaving two big bloody sets of prints uh, that went, unless I missed it, unacknowledged. It just felt odd to me that they make a point of setting it up in a movie where people are being murdered for a piece of evidence like that never to be mentioned again. After the movie, I was looking for some online information about the background of the film and it makes sense that Cronenberg was growing through a divorce at the time of making this. The institutionalised wife whose jealousy turned her into an angry monster feels like some genuine catharsis for the director. Although the fear of losing his daughter in the custody battle echoes throughout the movie, especially in the final moments where the man and wife are arguing with lines like, I won't let you take my daughter away which now feels like they were coming from a very raw place. Given how the film ends with the suggestion that the little girl could later carry on after her mother left on, with much of the movie echoed life for the director, I'd be quite interested to see if they could bookend this with Brandon Cronenberg picking up after his father on this one. Overall, I thought this was a great movie, an interesting story paced well with a nice score that complemented the movie extremely well, adding tension and drama to the scenes. I'm scoring this one 4 out of 5, but on another watch, this could be a 4.5. His tagline for the movie is Parental Guidance. Thank you very much for that review, Jamie. Thank you for making your way also to Movie Club. It is a great place, it's a safe place. You weren't molested on the way in and hopefully you stick around for a little while. Let's do a little audio review, shall we? This review comes in from our good buddy, David Garrett Jr. And David says... Hello, Duncan and T-Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. here back for January 2021's Movie Club Challenge. And from the sounds of it, we're going up to Canada here for some David Cronenberg, which I was pretty excited, Duncan, when I heard this. And the first movie that we're going to be covering is The Brood. Now, this is one that, I'll be honest, I didn't hear about until I got the Fangoria Top 300 Horror Movies issue. It appeared there, so I made it a point to see it. I knew who David Cronenberg was, but I hadn't seen a lot of films when I saw The Brood for the first time. And I'll admit, after that first viewing, I didn't love it. I knew that it was good, though, because, you know, Cronenberg is such a good filmmaker. And so this is my third time viewing it. And I will say, every time that I watch it, I get more and more of an appreciation for this movie. Coming in that first time, as I said, I came in blind and not really knowing a whole lot of it or any of the backstory that went into making this. I read up on it after that first viewing, you know, before going into that second one. And after this, you know, this final viewing here, I know a bit more about Cronenberg and his personal life. And what I can really say is that I can see a lot of things that are going into this while making this movie. He was going through a bitter divorce and you can see that reflected in the relationship of Frank and Nola. Now, there's an issue with a custody battle as well. Frank is more stable, but as his lawyer tells him, the mother gets a lot of standing when it comes to court rulings for things like that. And I can really feel the anger that Cronenberg was feeling as he did, you know, write and direct this movie. Now, the next thing I want to kind of go over would be their daughter of Candy. Frank is worried that he and Nola not working out at the moment is really messing with her. Now, her teacher of Ruth Mayer is also concerned about Candy because when they are sitting there together, she wants the little girl wants to play mother and daughter. Now, Ruth does think that he's doing a good job, but there is just something missing at home. And it's actually kind of funny is that when she ends up leaving after everything that goes down here, she just says his life is too complicated for what she's ready for. And I mean, that's kind of an interesting look here with, you know, dating somebody with children. It does feel that there is a lot of blame in this movie being put on Nola. Now, Nola is a broken character, so I get it. And, I mean, Frank even says at one point that it seems like she married somebody who was a little bit more stable, hoping that 
it would kind of rub off on her because she is, you know, so broken. And she's also trying to break the cycle of abuse by seeking help. But then she also chose this new age treatment that the results are kind of dangerous. And I want to delve into that a little bit here is that it's interesting is that the mother here of Juliana doesn't think that, you know, she did anything wrong in her upbringing. The movie really kind of showcases that she was an alcoholic, though. And I do honestly think that there's probably, as the old adage goes, that there is two sides to every story, then there's the truth. It does seem like she was abusing her daughter as a little girl and that her father and her and the husband didn't really step in to help all that much. And that is kind of what has broken her. And then this Dr. Raglan is kind of taking advantage of this poor woman with his new treatment. And then he's seeing these interesting results that he doesn't necessarily want to give that up. Now, that's where I actually kind of want to go next would be the new age treatments, which I think this movie is kind of mocking a little bit. You know, this came out in 79, so there was a lot of them by now, from what I understand. And, you know, there's, like, a lot of stuff here with metaphysics and the New Age remedies. It is interesting, though, is that Frank is looking to build a case against Nola. And then this brings him to a former patient of Jan Hartog. But this guy puts it best. They can't beat Dr. Raglan in court. He is a medical doctor, and they can't prove that what he's doing doesn't work or that it's detrimental. Yan's goal here is, in court, isn't to prove that the treatment gave him cancer, but he wants a public perception to be that it did help him to try to ruin Dr. Raglan. Frank is disheartened, but he can also see the point there. And the last thing I kind of want to go would be the story of these creatures here. I love how it reveals that his treatment is causing Nola to manifest all of her rage into these little creatures. But what I also find interesting here is that the little girl of Heinz who plays Candy is also, I think, portraying Nola in the picture of when she was a little girl. And I do like that Cronenberg made sure that all these creatures look a lot like Candy as well, just distorted into monsters. That really makes a whole lot of sense as to, you know, they're kind of being these things growing off of Nola. And it's just an interesting idea here because, you know, David Cronenberg is known for his body horror, and we really don't get a whole lot of that here, but it's still kind of a framing device that we get thought the effects in this movie were really good we actually don't get a lot of them what we do get are done practical and it is kind of interesting is that they went a little bit tamer with some of the blood and gore that we get and if anything i kind of wish they would have went a little bit farther with that but you know the bits of body horror do look good for you know when we get those the cinematography is well done especially with changing the height of the camera for different points of view when we're kind of going from these little monsters so i don't really have any problems there i thought the acting was good I think it's great that Oliver Reed brings this, you know, kind of arrogance to this doctor here. It's kind of interesting, though, by the end of it, there is a softening when he sees everything that he's built is falling apart. And he's also partially to blame. Samantha Egger is good as Nola. I thought it's interesting that we never get to see her normal. And then, you know, her trauma and treatment have broken her, which is kind of good there. I also feel like Cronenberg did this intentionally that we don't really get anything else of, you know, her having kind of a solid baseline that we always kind of see her as the villain and kind of crazy. I thought Hindle was fine as our hero here. I'm not really blown away by his performance. And I thought Heinz was solid as the child here. So, like I said, I'm really glad, Duncan, that you had this movie picked for this month as it's one that I've seen, like I said, a couple times. Glad I could give it this third rewatch here as my rating does keep climbing every time that i do see this so what i would end up saying here is that for my rating of the brood i'm coming in this time around on the old teapot scale of a four out of five and then for my tagline for this movie is going to be dr raglan has a new treatment nola is his prized pupil don't piss her off though or you'll have to deal with the brood i don't think it's all that great of one but that's the best that i could come up with So, once again, Duncan, thank you for doing these. Can't wait to see what the 80s Cronenberg movie that we're going to get. Can't wait to hear everybody else's thoughts here on The Brood. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for sending in that review. Don't beat yourself up. I love that. I love that tagline. That was good. Um, Let's introduce Matt Jones, a guy who has done Movie Club before, but not for a while. He's back. He says, greetings, Duncan. I'm glad I finally got around to seeing The Brood, as it's one of the few Cronenberg films that I hadn't seen. Following his cult body horror movies like Shivers and Rabid, and the strange anomaly Fast Company, which I have also yet to see, 
It's a psychological fear, something which would become a big part of his future work. The casting is rather good, and Art Hindle is a decent protagonist as Frank Carvath, a father involved in a custody battle for his daughter, Samantha Egger, convincingly unhinged as his wife Nola and Oliver Reed on top form as the psychologist, Dr. Hal Raglan, who is pioneering a strange technique of psychoplasmics. This is where the Canadian director's trademark body horror reaches new levels, especially towards the end when Nola's bizarre external womb is revealed. The mutant children are the are the reveal to the physical manifestation of Nola's confused emotions over her own childhood psychological abuse are freaky and effective. While the violence is impressively staged, particularly in the classroom attack, which would surely scar the watching school children for life. The film was also a fine examination of the cycle of abuse that can exist within families and it builds well to a bonkers but exciting finale that comes across as a major step forward in Cronenberg's filmmaking. I wouldn't rate it as high as his best work, which to me is The Fly, The Dead Zone and A History of Violence, but it's easily a four star movie for me after my first viewing. As a tagline, it's hard to come up with one for such an unusual film, but how about terror comes in all sizes? It's a bit corny, but it kinda works. It's certainly an entertaining film and I look forward to the rest of the season of Movie Club focusing on one of the greatest ever horror directors. Cheers buddy, Matt. Thank you very much Matt for sending that through. Glad I could assist be ticking that one off the list. Always great to hear from you. Hopefully you're taking care of yourself out there. Let's jump to some more audio reviews, shall we? Shall we do... Yeah, let's do Kate Pollock. Hi Duncan and Movie Club, it's Kate Pollock here. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm really excited about the following four months. Cronenberg is a director that I've always been interested in and um, I think his films are always sort of really thought-provoking, compelling, um, even if they are a, a little odd at times. Um, so during this review of The Brood, um, I'm going to try and not pull the whole when you're a parent card too much. Um, I'm aware that I do mostly fail at this. Um, but with this one, it's fairly unavoidable, um, especially as I'm going to be talking about uh, the themes relating to child abuse and trauma and, and stuff. Because, well, as a parent, <laughs> it's the most... Um, intriguing co component for me and it does seem to be rooted in almost every aspect of the film um so people may or may not know um that this was actually a very personal project for cronenberg um at the time of writing this he was going through a really messy divorce and um was in the middle of this huge custody battle um i also believe that he was concerned that his ex-wife would be taking their kids into some sort of cult um, I think I read somewhere, which is really interesting when you consider how that plays into this movie. Um, so this is a movie where you can tell that there is like a ton of subtext. Um, I think it's a lot of it, not necessarily gone over my head, but um, I think it's one of those ones where it's going to take a couple of watches to kind of really pull every kind of facet from this movie. So um, I... I think I'm just going to kind of like focus on the correlations between um, sort of Cronenberg's personal life um, and this movie because, um, you know, when you're watching it, it's, it's pretty obvious and it's also pretty heartbreaking as well. Um, so, you know, you have um, this father, Frank, um, and he's concerned that his ex-wife, Nola, is physically abusing their young daughter, Candice, or Candy, as she's known by, um, when she comes home from staying with her mother for the weekend she's got all these scratches and things on her back now i don't know whether cronenberg's ex was actually abusing their child but um you know the breakdown of a family dynamic is thought to have a bearing effect on the children involved if there are any um and this can you know this potentially is something that he is demonstrating um in the movie um you know in in with the method of like a physical abuse as opposed to sort of a more emotional abuse um either way um the emotional abuse is long-standing 
on either front so um, and this is something that I'll be coming back to later on. Um, so Nola is currently residing in a mental health clinic run by the good Dr Haglund played by the awesome Oliver Reed um, and uh, the clinic specialises in, controver- in this controversial practice called psychoplasmics um, and this seems to be where patients act out scenarios with Haglund as a way of facing their abuses in a safe environment but by doing so their trauma takes physical form um, like you know externally and is i guess expunged from the body you know literally um so for example in the case of nola you know she's grown in this external amniotic sac in which she creates these creatures you know the brood um that will act based on whatever emotions she's sort of feeling um so for example there's this one point where she's um describing how angry she is at her mother for the abuse that she inflicted on her growing up and so you know they go and kill her um you could argue that the clinic represents um the cult that cronenberg was potentially worried about um you know you've got the kind of robes that the patients wear everything's all kind of linen and things and flowy um you've got the way that they all follow and look up to Haglin, who's all blue-eyed and enthralling and you know the how they live at the compound full-time and all these sorts of things kind of give this impression of a cult and the negativity conveyed in respect to the clinic and its practices not only through the patient's response and things um but also through following our lead frank who has this clear disdain for Haglund and his methods especially as he and, and therefore we delve further into it so we empathize with him and others such as his father-in-law so when they're obstructed by Haglund, we too feel this resentment Haglin, as i've mentioned is especially captivating um reed's performance is just it just completely draws you in um at first you're skeptical of his, of his practices but then i think reed does a really great job of enabling you to also understand that you know Haglin does believe that he's doing right by his patients you know most of the time anyway um and then when it comes to his demise i actually felt a bit sorry for him considering that he could be kind of considered one of the villains um by this point you know he's trying to make amends for what he's done and he does in a way but as is often the case with these things it's too late and he's left to literally pay for the sins of the father being that the brood is basically his doing um and it's the brood that kills him um Nola as well is really enticing as a character and another excellent performance by Samantha Egger um, and apparently her character shares similarities with Cronenberg's ex-wife as well I've read um, but she's very tragic in that her story stems in abuse and neglect and her relationship with her parents very fraught to say the least and by the end she's so consumed by this and, and her rage that she basically becomes the embodiment of her hurt um, but she's also quite twisted and monstrous in her own right not only because of the growth and gestation of these kind of offspring um, but at one point she even states that she is she would kill candy their daughter before she'd let frank take her away which is just terrible it's a really monstrous concept especially when said by a parent um so yeah it was a real kind of interesting um sort of two sides to this character she was a very kind of um multifaceted character which i really enjoyed frank our lead is actually much more straightforward almost verges on being boring even but because he's surrounded by such full-on characters i don't actually mind this and i think in a way it's needed to ground the movie um, and to help us relate and sympathize with him in his predicament especially again if you're a parent watching um the patients are definitely worth noting too it's very interesting unusual characters they're kind of funny at times too um but ultimately pretty heartbreaking you know they're the fruit of the abuse suffered by children who grow up without ever having had support or closure or learned that they can be better than the hand that they're dealt and to see them interact with both Haglin and frank and what each of them draw out of the patients is interesting to watch as what well, is being quite a clever way of providing context and information Um, So looking into the theme of abuse and its repercussions a bit more, um, I've mentioned the sins of the father. And um, to me, this film is all about this fear that we have as parents and no doubt Cronenberg had during his 
custody battle of how our actions affect our children. So similar to Who Could Kill a Child, the film that we looked into in a previous movie club, um, it raises questions of our responsibility as adults to do right by our children, you know, to listen, to love, to nurture, not to hurt, demean or bully, and to put our children first no matter what. You know, in real life, couples will stay together in unloving relationships for the sake of the kids, even if it means their own unhappiness, um, for fear of how separation may negatively affect their children. Within the context of the film, Frank states that he's concerned that he's already screwed up his daughter, Yes, she's witnessed some awful things, but he's also probably concerned about the breakdown of their family unit and as well as the physical harm that Nola is causing. And this seems to be a pattern as we look into Nola's childhood, um, you know, and how that's affected her mentally and emotionally. You know, here she is now a, a grown woman, a mother in extreme full time therapy to try and handle the traumas suffered as a child by her parents. We see the other patients deal with other similar childhood traumas, one that the ones that we're privy to, privy to sorry, are also from their parents. And thanks to the psychoplasmics, um, you know, this um, uh, sort of technique used at this um, clinic, it manifests in very real ways. Um, in Nola's case, in the form of these disfigured offspring who carry out acts based on whatever Nola's feeling in that moment. And thanks to her anger issues, mainly aimed at her parents and although a few other people feel this brunt also their actions are not cuddles and eskimo kisses and generally you know i mean the murder um and there will often be a child present to these murders either um, candy or her classmates and you have to wonder what witnessing these events will do to them later on in life you know it's even alluded to at the end when the camera focuses on candy's arm which seems to have kind of grown legions similar to the growth demonstrated on Haglund's patients clearly she hasn't escaped as cleanly as Frank is hoping and of course I mean that was never going to happen but I also think there's a level of deniability that sort of maybe Frank um, and you know anyone who can relate to Frank um, especially parents sort of allow ourselves you know we convince ourselves that any traumas we potentially embed in our children maybe aren't that bad and they'll bounce back but what if they don't what then and you know are they to grow up with this inner sort of rage or sadness or anxiety and be affected this way for their entire lives possibly probably i think the brood you know the film the brood is is a really excellent at raising these questions and making you think about you know the innocence of children our responsibility as, as adults and parents and how actions have consequences whether they're for us or not and i think the whole concept is just really compelling and executed in a very original smart and interesting way which you know considering it's the mind of cronenberg and there's something he was clearly contemplating at the time is not overly surprising um so other things that i really liked in this film um so the special effects are really great um, especially the body horror elements um, the brood itself could maybe have been done a little bit better but that could just be you know me with modern eyes and things making that judgment um, however one thing I actually quite liked about the brood just quickly and I thought worked well was that they seem to work together as a pack almost like a hive mentality especially with how they're connected to Nola um, I think at one point she's even referred to as the queen bee um, so I really quite like that dynamic um, there were two reveals that properly made me react one was the growth on Mike's neck as a patient here's this sort of growth on his neck and uh, uh, proper vomits bill and the second one was the removal of no nola's robe and i don't i don't know what i was expecting but it was not that and then what preceded it afterwards i mean ah oh, it's been a few days since i've watched it and um yeah those those images the you know the sack and then the licking of the baby and oh it's they've stuck with me a little bit <laughs> you know they're just they're really gross um but they're also really powerful i mean again it's the physical manifestations of her emotions and rage and i think it's really interesting that hers manifests as emotionally driven children you know these little rage monsters and again it's a literal representation of our actions affecting you know our young and violence begetting violence so it's right that the birthing of these creatures disgusts me in such a way not only because it's a really cool effect and looks gnarly as fuck but because what it represents is abhorrent um but yeah um 
those things just work really really well um other things so i really love the score composed by the awesome howard shaw um you know it really makes for classic sounding horror composition you've got um you know it's really shocking in all the right places it's intense it's gripping um yeah everything you want from something like this and i believe this is one of his earlier works too i think he'd actually only done the score for one other feature length before this one so that makes it doubly impressive um the cinematography was great you've got these real kind of 70s vibes going on which you know i mean the film was made in 1979 so you know that's not overly surprising um but you know some really great set designs and really effective camera work too especially when it comes to the reveals and the more shocking moments it's not a perfect movie there are some bits that aren't overly realistic to me um you know not the fringe science stuff but more like for example when frank is allowed into the autopsy of one of the brood and things and you know the when he finds um his sort of lady friend his teacher has been like brutally murdered and he just sort of sits there i think stroking her head and it's like get the kids out you know that would be your first thing is to sh- get the kids out um but yeah i mean these are kind of small things um and as i said like the you know the bruise makeup was a little bit sketchy but you know as i say small things overall i think it's a really great script it's an excellent cast it's powerful subject matter um and as i said there's going to be tons more to unpack on future watches um and just generally a very well put together movie i mean it's it's david cronenberg so that's to be expected but you know i think this was relatively early on in his film career so you know it could have been a bit more rough around the edges and um yeah it it wasn't it was really good um really really delivered and definitely one i'll check out again so that is a four out of five from me and my tagline is you only hurt the ones you love and they'll only hurt you in return Um, Anyway, thanks for choosing this one, Duncan. It's a great watch and I'm very interested to hear what others made of it. So, yeah, see you next time. And thanks very much to Kate Pollock for sending in that review. Right, let's keep them reviews going because loads of people got involved this week and I am overjoyed. Uh, Let's do Tim Walker who says, Dear Duncan and Teapot's people, well, Movie Club is back. This time with a director to focus on rather than a country or genre. However, you could argue that Cronenberg started his own subgenre of body horror. Well, he certainly popularised it. We're starting with The Brood from 1979, and I have seen this one before quite a few times. In fact, the only Cronenberg film I haven't seen is Existence. I caught The Brood for the first time in the mid-2000s, probably 2004-2005. At that point, I'd seen a few Cronenberg films like The Fly, The Dead Zone, Scanners, Rabid. I liked most of them, but it had been years since I'd seen them, so I couldn't really call myself a big Cronenberg fan. The Fly in the Dead Zone I hadn't seen since the early 90s, for example. Actually, even though I have The Fly on Blu-ray, I still haven't seen it since then. Anyway, Rabid was one that I had seen most recently, and I thought it was okay, but I wasn't crazy about it. Well, The Brood knocked my socks off. It immediately became a huge favourite, made me a pretty big Cronenberg fan and easily became my favourite of his movies. Will that opinion hold up on a more recent rewatch? Absolutely. The story is extremely compelling, the acting is top-notch, yes, even from the off-maligned Art Hindle. Howard Shore's score is fantastic, it's extremely suspenseful if not scary. I even like Oliver Reed's character, even though at first he seems like an asshole, he definitely has some redemption at the end. Also, while on the surface it's a movie about creepy kids killing people, or rage babies as a friend of mine calls them, it's much more complex and has adult themes for sure. I've never understood why this movie doesn't get as much attention as Cronenberg's other films. Not as flashy, I guess, as a slow-burn 70s psychological film which can be an acquired taste, to be fair. Still, this has been and remains a huge favourite of mine. Definitely not one of his best films of 1979, eh, but far better than Tourist Trap. Sorry, Duncan. Five out of five stars for sure. Alright, now for the tagline. Nola's Rage! comes from within and will kill all those without. Not my best, but I think it sums up the movie well. Plus, I like the reference to Cronenberg's first film, They Came From Within. Well, I managed to get the review in on time. I've had a pretty chaotic last week and a half, but things seem to have settled down. 
That's why I didn't get my first review in for Where to Begin, even though I've caught up with the Teapots Collective. So alas, I never wrote a review for my favourite subgenre of Giallo. Bummer. But I'll try and get some in for the future though. I promise. Anyway, I think I have mostly positive reviews for anything else picked for Cronenberg, but who knows? Maybe some of them won't hold up upon rewatches, or if you pick Existence, I might not like it. We'll see. Everyone, stay safe, healthy, and don't send out any rage babies to subconsciously kill your friends or family. Oh, and if you meet Oliver Reed's ghost, buy that man a drink. He's earned it. Damn good actor. Take care, Duncan and Teapots people. Tim. Tim, thank you very much for sending in your review. Always great to hear from you, buddy. Hopefully you are doing well. I had noticed that there was no Bay of Blood review. I did let you off because you did send us in, and that made me smile anyway. Hopefully you get involved with that found footage series we've kicked off over there. Um, They won't all be horror movies. I'm genre hopping over on where to begin with, and hopefully we'll have fun if you do take part. Right, let's trundle on, shall we? To the obvious conclusion, the inevitable end of Movie Club, which means we have an audio review from our good buddy Lee Russell of They Must Be Destroyed On Sight podcast. Lee says... Alright, it's time for Movie Club 2021. And boy, I'm excited. When I saw that we're doing Cronenberg and we're doing some slightly overlooked or perhaps lesser known Cronenberg, got really excited. Uh, You're speaking to me here, Duncan. Not only did you give me one really great film to start off with to talk about the possibilities here that we're going to get into some stuff that I haven't seen just gets me a little giddy, a little giddy, because I'm not familiar with everything in Cronenberg's uh, ouvoir, as it were. So um, if I get to uh, cover a couple of the films that I haven't seen by him, I'll be even more happier. So let's talk about The Brood, 1979. So, The Brood was made in the wake of a nasty divorce for Cronenberg. Obviously had an influence on this this film. The central estrangement here between Art Hindle and Samantha Eggers, Frank and Nola Carvath, um, damages not only themselves, but their daughter Candace, uh, who is, in this film, just a walking trauma case for the majority of her screen time. And then, of course, throw in Cronenberg's obvious and previously used disdain for new age self-help gurus their private clinics and spas and retreats and the effects they have on the individual uh then the family unit and society in general and you already have an interesting and provocative kind of film on your hands i think um especially the way cronenberg does it here then you throw in mutant rage babies murdering people that Nola perceives as a threat to her family unit that she's desperately trying to hold on to. And I mean, come on. Above all else for me, though, The Brood is one of the best horror films ever made about child abuse. And the cycles of abuse that continue from generation to generation in families. So you got like Nola's personality here is seemingly split into two by the sort of intrusive therapy of uh, Oliver Reed's Dr. Raglan. So we get the abused and broken Nola brought to the surface who never got over her mother's abuse and she never got over her father's inability to protect her from that abuse. And now she's abusing her own child and she seems totally unaware of the fact that she's abusing her child. And then there's the other Nola, the just seething with rage Nola. And this side of her is literally manifesting little mutant babies who go and kill anyone who stands between her and her daughter Candace. And wow, what an interesting idea, first off, the sort of uh, plasmatic stuff that Cronenberg came up with. And he makes it seem very plausible. You know, he grounds this in a lot of reality. So when the really grotesque and bizarre shit happens, you can kind of accept it a bit more. I mean, so anyway, the abuse just keeps compounding on in the end she's very much willing to kill candace if she can't have her back which is something that sadly can't happen especially in broken families uh you, you can think on stories in real life of mothers you know drowning their kids in the car with them like driving a car into a lake or whatever to get away from an abusive husband or whatever the situation is 
very, very sad, very tragic stuff that really does happen. But the interesting thing in this movie is that the real monster in this movie, I mean, there's a few different monsters in this movie, I guess, but uh, the real monster that, that started all this was her mother. And she's killed in the opening act of the film. But the trauma that she caused just sort of manifests itself and pervades through generation to generation. And at the end of the film, it seems like young Candace is also going to be affected by this down the road, which is just a really downbeat ending, if there ever was one. But I mean, what else can you say about this? Uh, This is more restrained and thoughtful compared to Cronenberg's previous horror films, because, you know, apparently it's more personal for him. Still, it's every bit as savage and gross as his previous films uh, in the moments that it has to be. Uh, Cronenberg pulls no punches here, never seems to really ever pull any punches. He's aided by a fantastic cast from top to bottom. Uh, Art Hindle as the hapless and guilt-ridden father who just wants to protect his daughter, but uh, feels like he's constantly getting nowhere, is very sympathetic. Like, for a while, you don't really get a handle on if he caused any of these problems, whether it's through abuse or neglect or just his inability to deal with uh, Samantha Egger's trauma and her mental problems. Either way, you can really feel sorry for him because he's just really trying his best. Samantha Egger, she's also very sympathetic, but the way she's able to switch from pathetic and broken to just this horrific monster in such a believable way, she's both a victim and a monster, and at the end of the day, she licks the goo off a rage baby fetus. You can't ask more from a performer, and she just delivers in spades. As I said before, Cindy Hines as uh, Candace just screams traumatized child. I mean, very good performance. She pretty much just has to nail that one thing, and she does it. Um, Oliver Reed, big Ollie Reed, man, with his big jaw and his booze-widened face, he's just fantastic as this modern-day mad scientist of sorts. Uh, I mean, Oliver Reed was a pro at playing these, like, hyper-masculine driven men with all the flaws and baggage that goes with that sort of a thing. Um, And he, you know, he was pretty brave as far as actors go. He was willing to, you know, play these flawed characters, and he does so here with just amazing ability. His character is willing to go down this amoral path and play with real people's lives. Consequences be damned if it helps him reach his goal. His turn at the end, be it a spark of a little bit of humanity, a little bit of conscience and uh, personal responsibility, or if it's just him trying to cover his own ass, is fantastic. I mean, he dies a hero, but he also dies a really horrific and some might say deserved death, too. And it's pretty great. And you know what, I I agree, this film is probably a bit overlooked in Cronenberg's filmography. Like, you don't hear a lot of people necessarily talk about this one. They'll talk about uh, Shivers, they'll talk about Rabid, then they'll pretty much skip to The Fly, or, you know, Videodrome, stuff like that, but they won't talk about this one as much, and I think that's kind of crap. This is my favorite Cronenberg film. Uh, I think every touch in it is great. Uh, from the things I've already highlighted to the weird side characters, uh, you know, some of the victims of the plasmatics and stuff, and um, to the tragic demise of uh, Candace's wonderful teacher, who's probably the best person in this film, uh, and she gets one of the most horrific deaths. Then you, you get the, like, the, just the visual touches, like the gray skies and the snow-covered Canadian landscape. This just looks like the Canadian TV I watched growing up, kind of. Like, this is what every Canadian TV show kind of looked like, to some degree. Um, although, done cinematically. And uh, the evocative score from Howard Shore. Uh, it's it's one of the great ones. Um, this is fantastic. Gets five Rage Babies out of five on the Netflix scale. And as for a tagline... Nola Carveth wants to fix what's broken inside her. Nola Carveth wants to be happy. Nola Carveth just wants her family back. And so does the brood by any means necessary. That's it. 
looking forward to see what everyone else has to say about this one. See you all guys next time for the next movie club. Really excited to see what's coming up from the 80s. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. And thanks very much to Lee, and thank you very much to everyone that submitted in for Movie Club this month. A brand new year, so we have a lot of fun planned ahead. We are starting off with a heavy hitter with Cronenberg, and it's great to see the participation spike for that. And just glad to see everyone dug the brood. Um... I mean, I love it, so I just assume everyone loves it. And that is a fool's errand if you do podcasts, and especially a movie club. That tends to be when people bite you on the ass, but not a grade below a four there. And they went from fours up to fives, so I will take that as a fucking win. We'll see if you feel the same way next month, where I can't guarantee we're not getting any ickier. Because Cronenberg, and that's the way it goes. So, right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we're closing out the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 316. We have been doing Movie Club. We have been doing Challenge Teapots January 2021. Kicking off a first of a four-part series into David Cronenberg. Me picking a underappreciated title from the man's back catalogue for each decade. So we are going to have fun with that. Thank you very much to everyone who submitted a review in for Movie Club. You will find out what your next assignment is in one week's time. So not long to wait at all. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to us right now, hit subscribe on that feed. That way you never miss any of the content coming out on this channel, uh, whether it be brand new episodes dropping, but you also get access to the entire back catalogue of over 800 shows strong. Subscribe to the Teapots Collective as well. That way you get where to begin with. You get a little bit of Chronicle. Why not dabble in some Opera Omnia and a little bit of that doing the nasty. Subscribing to both those feeds is the best way to support my work. You can visit the website. It's teaputscast.com. Our merch page is teaputscast.bigcartel.com. On Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teaputscast. For the Teaputs Collective on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash teaputscast. You can interact and reach out and play with myself and Baz in whichever way you want to take those words on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at Cast. The podcast Under the Stairs will return for you this Saturday with a special review of Don't Tell a Soul and an interview with the director Alex McCauley himself. It is a fun movie, it is a fun episode and it is a great interview. So get yourself ready for that on Saturday and until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off.